What if you could own the virtual world? Create, develop, and trade without limits. Make genuine connections and earn real money. Decentraland. You're listening to the BBC Trending Podcast. This week, we're taking a deep dive into virtual reality. I'm Jonathan Griffin. We'll be meeting the people who are building a whole world online. Now, the concept isn't new. Gamers have long been able to explore different universes through avatars or digital representations of the players. You may have heard of platforms like Second Life and World of Warcraft. But the one we're looking at this week is a little bit different, because unlike the worlds that have gone before, it's the users that are in control, buying virtual land and creating whatever they want. And that land isn't cheap. Joe Worley is here with me in the studio, and Joe, you've been looking to find out exactly what they get out of this. Yes, Jonathan, people have been paying thousands of dollars in cryptocurrency to purchase bits of virtual land. What kind of land are we talking about here, Joe? Are we talking about acres, hectares, forest, woods, what? Well, that's the thing. It doesn't actually exist yet, but there is a promotional video of what they hope it will look like. Buy land, design your experience, and transform the way people see the world. Purchase the first ever virtual real estate. Get started today. It all looks very futuristic. If you've got a bit of land, you can build whatever you want on it. So I can build myself a virtual mansion, a castle, a football stadium, whatever. In theory, yes, but it's all quite a long way off yet. At the moment, the platform is only open to testers. The world won't launch until early next year. But that hasn't stopped people from spending their money on it. So I wanted to find out why people would invest in real estate that doesn't even exist. I started by getting in touch with the Decentraland creators. They live in Argentina and have a team of coders in Buenos Aires who are developing the platform. They told me they were planning a world tour to meet some of the investors and that London was their next stop. So I popped along to a meeting space in the east of the city where one of the founders was giving a presentation about the Decentraland concept. So this is the, what we are calling the Genesis Plaza, uh, built by one of a few... After the talk, people were standing round chatting. It was the first opportunity many of the landowners had had to meet their prospective virtual reality neighbours in real life. I got talking to one of the new owners, Sam Clare. He loaded up his laptop to show me his virtual land. My plot of land is in the northwest up here. So we pop here. Right, so you've got this little map here where you can move around quicker, so you can just jump to areas. So if you know where your area is roughly... You can jump to it. So my area is somewhere around here. Sam shows me the map to Decentraland's first metropolis called Genesis City. The city has set dimensions, 90,000 squares of land where each square is 10 metres by 10 metres. Some plots are privately owned and others are grouped together in themed neighbourhoods, things like shopping districts or places where visitors can attend virtual festivals. So it's a bit like a map to a new housing estate where people can buy off a plot of land. Yes, all the private land is colour-coded. Some of the squares are dark grey, which means they're not for sale. Others are light blue, which shows the land can be purchased. The parcels are grouped around green-coloured plazas and crisscrossed by roads. Sam's plot glows red as he hovers over it. He paid around $900 for his parcel. And this is my plot of land right here, this one here. 
this literally this popped up and I was like it's near this area that, that a few of my friends are in a few of my friends might actually get in I think they're waiting for the prices to drop but I don't think the prices are going to drop so so you can all hang out in virtual reality basically yeah yeah, yeah. it'll be pretty much exactly the same as Facebook except you'll be able to hear and see each other um, bit in VR so a bit more of a real experience as long as we've got the internet stick our headsets on and have a cup of virtual tea around my house in Decentraland So this is like a social platform in virtual reality then? Yes, that's what they're planning. It's being designed as a place for people to to hang out using VR headsets to explore in 360 degrees. Ah, but those headsets can be really expensive, can't they? Yes, they certainly can. But you don't have to have a headset to explore the platform. You can navigate around it using a desktop browser too. And do you have to buy land to be able to go there then? No, anyone will be able to visit. You don't have to have bought land to be able to go there. But businesses have been setting up in the hope that some of the visitors will indeed be spending money. And that's one of the reasons there's been this speculation that some of the land in the city could be valuable. And those that bought this private land, how much are they paying, Joe? Well, some of the plots were the equivalent of a few hundred dollars. I say equivalent because it's not traditional currency that we're talking about here. The world has its own money called mana. You can buy that by converting traditional dollars or pounds into cryptocurrency. The price fluctuates, but when I met Sam, one mana was just over 10 US cents. Now, at the time of recording, it's around the 7 cent mark, which shows how volatile the cryptocurrency can be. The most someone has paid so far for a parcel of land is 2 million mana, which at the time was around $180,000. And there are other parcels of land being listed for resale for six-figure sums. Sam clicked on a few to show me. Okay, so this is the central plaza. This is supposed to be the place where people spawn, so where they appear first when they come into Decentraland. So all these ones around here, think of it as a bit of a Piccadilly Circus or a Times Square in New York. So we're probably going to see a lot of uh, large corporations advertising in this area here. If they're paying that kind of money, that's what they're going to be doing. This one here, for example, is 8 million mana, which is over $800,000. Eight hundred thousand. That's nearly a million dollars. A million dollars, and it doesn't even exist yet. It does here, and it will do in about a year, I believe. Is someone going to pay eight hundred thousand dollars? Well, only time will tell. Eight hundred thousand dollars is a staggering amount of money. You could buy an actual mansion for that. I know, we're talking big bucks. But keep in mind, just because it's being listed for that much doesn't mean someone's going to actually pay it. For the squares that have sold, how much does that all come to then? The first auction, people spent around $28 million worth of mana on plots. Yeah, and that was the largest sale ever of virtual land. That's an enormous investment and an amount of money to throw at something that you can't see or visit yet. Yes, it really is. And the amount that's being spent is going to have little bearing on how all this will turn out. It's all going to be down to what people actually build there. Now, I've been speaking to David Gerrard, who's written about cryptocurrency in a book called Attack of the 50-Foot Blockchain. And he told me how he saw the world panning out. And he sees it more like a game. What matters really is, will it be a good game that people want to play? And maybe they will. They've got some talented people involved and they are gamers themselves, I'm sure that they won't try to create something bad and they'll, it should at least be half decent. But we'll see if it really captures the imagination if people who do not give a hoot about blockchains want to play the game. That will be the measure of whether this has been a success. 
Now, David mentioned blockchain there. How does that work, Joe? The land parcels are all registered on a blockchain called Ethereum. Now, you might know a bit about blockchains already, but for those that don't, it means that a ledger of land ownership will be stored on every computer in the network, rather than being held by a central company. Sam explained it like this. It's decentralised ledger on various different computers, so there's no one single source. It's spread across a number of computers, which can't be hacked. So that's the whole idea behind Decentraland, to decentralise control and put power in the hands of the users. Exactly. Now, Ari Milic is one of the creators, and I asked him how Decentraland differs from other virtual worlds. So in other virtual worlds, it's usually operated by a central company, and all the land, all the content resides in their servers. So users have the risk that if the company goes out of business or if they decide to change the rules, everything that they have created can stop existing, or if the company stops operating, or if they decide to change the rules of the game, users are at risk of losing all the content and all the creations that they have built. So because the content in the central end is uh, stored on the blockchain, which is uh, an immutable database, people have the security that the content that they have built will be there tomorrow and the day after. The ultimate aim is for the creators to eventually withdraw and leave the world to run without them. We have built Decentraland with the idea that this would become a public utility. So as opposed to a private company that will operate this uh, forever, we are trying to devise this in such a way that each time we as a team are becoming less relevant. And even for Decentraland's uh, biggest policies, for instance, whether there will be more land in the future, for instance, we would not make that decision ourselves, but rather we would use uh, online voting mechanisms for them to have a say on what's going to happen in the future. Wait a minute. So they're planning on walking away and leaving the policing of the content to the users. That's the hope, but David Gerard was sceptical about how easy that will all be to achieve. They want to make a world where you're completely free to do whatever you want with no central control, no authority, completely decentralised. That has the obvious hazard of trolls and griefers who come along and mess up your game. If you don't have a way to deal with them, then eventually they will turn your social platform into a trash mound. So I won't say it's absolutely impossible that it will all work out exactly as they want it to and everything will be fantastic... I think it's unlikely from the historical evidence, but I wish them luck. I asked Ari Milic, one of the creators, about how they plan to stop possible undesirable behaviour happening on the platform. The content that is uploaded by users, uh, it cannot be removed by anyone, not even ourselves or a government. However, people get the chance to see certain content and filter out others. So ultimately, there will be filters that will be set up by the community. So they're sticking with the plan that this will eventually become a kind of virtual democracy then? Yes, but at the moment, the creators are still very much in charge. So the decentralisation phase won't happen until much further into the project. And you actually had a look around the platform, didn't you, Joe? Yeah, I did. To get an idea of what users should expect, Esteban Ordana, one of Decentraland's co-founders, set up a virtual reality headset for me to take a sneak peek at what they've built so far. Where are you right now? <laughs> I'm, I can see a, a ship. It's like a pirate ship. Uh, yeah. Right, let's walk around then. Okay. 
So if, if I walk around in real life, when it all works, will this move as well? Yes. Whoa, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> OK, let's oh. walk across the bridge. OK, I seem to be on some sort of dance floor. I can hear music. It's very colourful. Yeah, sort of in an outdoor club. Whoa, and now we're moving uh, through the trees. Yeah, it is like... It's sort of like a 3D comic book and we've added the sound effects there to give listeners an idea of the otherworldliness of it all. An avatar shimmies about on a light-up dance floor, then we're moving up the marble-coloured steps of a temple with giant cartoon sphinx sitting either side of the entrance. It's a mishmash of different colours and ideas. A huge dozing red panda naps under a canopy of virtual trees, while a short distance away, in an amphitheatre lined with trophies and medals, a striped blue and white bird prepares to do battle with a monster that bears its claws as I approach. It is very surreal. And what does the animation look like? It looks blocky and quite retro to me. That's the main style that they're using, so that it'll all load on a range of devices. If the animation is too complex, there could be problems with the platform freezing or taking a long time to load. It sounds like a video game, but one where people are spending thousands or even millions of this cryptocurrency mana if they want to own a bit of it. Yeah, there's a lot of this virtual currency sloshing about. The company was funded by an initial coin offering, where people bought $26 million worth of mana. The founders then used that money to finance the startup. But these cryptocurrencies are notorious for crashing in value, aren't they? Yes, like other cryptocurrencies and coin offerings, there's very little financial regulation around all this. And cryptocurrency expert David Gerard explained how prices in Decentraland could fluctuate wildly. All of this could go to zero. You have to wonder, will anyone buy it from me? Why? Why would they buy it from you? Maybe they're going with the most popular thing ever and everyone want land, but probably not. So it's important to remember that all of this stuff is completely a gamble. You don't know what's going to happen. They're the riskiest investments in the whole world. I asked Esteban how important the land prices were to him and the other creators and whether he was worried about the cryptocurrency prices crashing. Cryptocurrencies have a history of... uh bubbling and bursting and bubbling and bursting. Uh, I've already been through a bunch of those. Um, the bubbling and bursting of cryptocurrencies, it's not something that I'm focusing on. I think that the technology is like changing, so I try to not watch the price and just build on top of it because there are so many new ways to do things that uh, I think that will be great for humanity. Uh, So I'm focusing on that instead of the price of the currency. So they say it's all about being creative and doing something for humanity, but surely money's got to be a consideration here. Yeah, they might not be concentrating on the speculation in land prices, but they're certainly hoping people will spend money on goods and experiences in Decentraland when it's all built. We're focusing on building a huge economy because as soon as people are starting to make a living out of this economy, that enforces the chances of the project to be successful. Right now, we've got an economy of around a couple of tens of millions of dollars, and we hope to expand that to billions at least. Are you being able to make a living from this, and is this going to make you like a billionaire? So I hope that 
this uh, virtual world helps people to learn a lot of things, connect to people from all over the world. That's why we are trying to build a shared virtual reality. And with regards to whether we make any profit out of this, we're building this as a public utility. It would be nice, but uh, it's not required. So they're planning on selling all of this land and then withdrawing. What are the chances of them really being able to connect people from all over the world, Joe? Well, there is international interest in all this. People from different parts of the world are coming together and chatting about their plans and animation techniques on the gaming app Discord and on Reddit and Twitter. So the founders are hoping that that social chatter will move onto the platform when it's up and running. There are also plans to have bespoke neighbourhoods within Decentraland for different communities like Chinese and Russian speakers, and the neighbourhoods will be called districts. So there are themed neighbourhoods, but how is that any different to the private land on the platform? On the private land, you can build whatever you want, but the districts have a specific focus, things like festival land, Vegas City and even a university. Before private land went on sale, people could buy plots in these districts at a fixed price of a thousand mana, which was less than $100 at the time. This effectively meant they bought a stake in the communities that interested them. So another money-making opportunity then. Well, I asked James Ashton, who's helping set up some of the districts, whether they're all about profit. Each district has got its own philosophy. So, you know, Festival Land's very much about exposing the music and it could be a commercially viable operation. But I think the focus for the contributors is really about the events and the music. Whereas Vegas, for example, is, is perhaps more focused around the financial side and perhaps people who contributed to that. I, like imagine themselves earning some uh, profits from the uh, money they contributed. And then something like the university is completely different because that's actually all about education and a lot of the people who contributed there actually are teachers and they want to get hands-on or just people who are just sort of are passionate about it. So there's different expectations from district to district. James says some are even planning to go and work in Decentraland. Just going to the English teacher as an example... He's a real-world English teacher, he's defined the school, and he very much envisaged himself pursuing his career in VR. He said he's quite happy to kind of shift his whole career there when the time is right. But Joe, none of this exists yet. So surely it's going to be years before people can actually move their real-life jobs there, if ever. Yes, they'll be completely reliant on people building interesting experiences on the land and districts. And if that doesn't happen, there'll be very little engagement. So you'd imagine very few career opportunities. This isn't the first tech startup that James has been involved with. It does remind me, in a way, of an early Facebook or something like that. I, I was actually an application developer for Facebook in, like, sort of ten years ago, and it, it was a hotbed of sort of creativity at the time. And this is the first thing I felt that's captured my imagination since that. And I, I feel like the people involved in this are as passionate about it as those early Facebook developers or those early iPhone developers. In terms of financial success, this is all going to depend on whether people can get their heads around moving real-world transactions and interactions into a virtual land. 
Yeah, but there might also be businesses that you don't get in the real world. One company is planning to sell virtual reality mortgages, and another is planning a shop where you can buy ready-built VR structures for those who want to build a mansion but don't quite have the coding skills. The mind boggles. It all sounds a bit niche. Are they going to get any mainstream adoption for this? The people involved at the moment do tend to be those who are passionate and knowledgeable about cryptocurrency and blockchain. But Esteban told me they are planning for widespread take-up. We're expecting to have uh, hundreds of millions of users. Uh, I'd like to have everyone be able to experience the center and, and use it as like a 3D version of the web. But the people who are investing at the moment, they're more the people that are really interested in cryptocurrencies and coding in virtual reality. Yeah, and that means they're aware of the pitfalls of crypto too. And David Gerard described the investments like this. I would think that the best way to think of it is more like a um, Kickstarter or something where you're not buying a product, but you're throwing money at someone's idea because you really want it to happen. And that's the attitude of Sam. He likes the idea of building in a virtual world, so he's prepared to invest his time and money. And he says he won't be selling his land anytime soon. I'm not selling it until it's worth at least 10 million. 10 million? Yeah. A million pounds? Yeah. Okay, you are very attached to that land. Oh, I am, yes. And why, why does it mean that much to you? It's a place for me to visit. It's like a, a little virtual paradise. I could build an island on there or a, or a house or a statue. I could do whatever I want with it. The creators say they won't open up Decentraland to the public until there's enough content to make it entertaining. They're hoping to have it up and running by the start of next year. So it shouldn't be too long till we find out whether those land investments have paid off. Thanks for that, Joe. That's it from the BBC Trending podcast this week. I'm Jonathan Griffin. Thanks to our producer, Lee Cryptocurrency Kumatat, our studio manager, James Blockchain Beard, and our editor, Ed Avatar Main. Please get in touch and tell us what you thought about the programme. You can send us a tweet or a Facebook message. Oh, and can you do us a favour? It really helps us to spread the word if you leave us a rating or a comment on your podcast provider. So we'd really appreciate that. Trending will be back again in your podcast feed next week.